It's Tuesday. Tuesday. Hey, everybody. What's up? We are live on YouTube right on time. Someone debate. It's great to uh, have you here. It's great to be here. If you're listening to this podcast, thank you for downloading that. We, we, we say thank you. We mean thank you. It means a lot to us. And uh, we're thankful for this year of uh, this week, uh, I should say, of NFL football, of an incredible last couple of days of football. Um, we did a big YouTube only stream for those of you that only catch us on the podcast on Monday. And it was well attended, John. So we appreciate everybody that, that hung out for that. Uh, provided that Middlecoff is not bedridden Wednesday, we'll do another YouTube stream. But you look, you know, strong. Yeah. Like you, an ox. You know, I, I just battle through. It's a big week. There's no, even if I'm sick, I'll get right through it. It will not matter. It will not phase me. Um, we will be around every single day because that's what we told people we're going to do and we're going to keep doing it. Do I feel great? No. Does that matter? Fuck no. Let's roll. I mean, if Jimmy Garoppolo can play the way he played on Sunday. I know. You couldn't take snaps under center and he still won the game. So, yeah. Uh, Trent, I'm not Trent Williams, right? It's just, even though I give Trent credit, he was, uh, you were watching the TV copy. He was having a good time on the sideline. He was. He had, I got to think. The sideline can't play, gets the earbud in, and listens to all the play calls is probably a fun, fun day. Even if you'd rather be out there, yeah, probably is fun for sure. I'd love to be that guy, you know, earbud, just listen to all the play calls. At one point, it looked like he turned to one of the coaches and was like, "It's a pass." I'm like, yeah, I know. I listen every week. Remember, like the peak of Elway's prime as the GM, he'd always be in the booth with the ear thing on, <laughs> listening to all the shit. To me, it'd be one of the best parts of the job. First of all, yeah. no one can lie to you. Like, how'd it go today? Oh, you know, it was pretty good. Like, I heard you guys screaming at each other. Don't lie to me. There's a balance, though. It's a, it's a hard work environment. when you're Kyle, listening. I heard Mike McDaniel try to give you a play call suggestion, and you told Mike to shut up. I heard that. You think there's a reason John Lynch doesn't have one of those in there? It ain't his you show. think he's just too stressful for him? No, it's just I don't think it's even an option. Oh, oh you're gonna listen Kyle to doesn't me call allow plays? it. Well, it's like, why would you listen to me call plays? <laughs> Like I don't, I don't listen to you do your draft stuff. Like Kyle just, probably tells all the assistants to get off the headset. Yeah, I mean, it's just him screaming at Jimmy. <laughs> Mike McDaniel's got his headset off. Just whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched Trey a lot on the sideline. He was just kind of, I don't really know what he was doing, but he wasn't doing much. And then it, uh, in the whenever the offense was off the field, he'd play catch with Jimmy. Well, kind of. They always have the two guys sitting next. You know how quarterbacks do that? They play catch with each other, but they got two random guys. One's like a. It looks like a trainer. The other is like a practice squad guy in sweats, and that's who you throw it to, and then you hand it to the quarterback so you don't yeah. stub their fingers. Right. <laughs> so it's great. You just throw, and then you get the ball handed to you. You never have to catch. It is it's great. The, it's the best thing about being an NFL quarterback is you get to play catch, but you actually don't have to catch. You just throw. Because throwing is the much better part of playing. It's called playing catch, but it should really be called throwing. Because nobody, well, the catch part's less fun. But playing catch with in baseball is cool because it's easy with your mitt. Playing catch in football with an NFL quarterback with a big arm, it can hurt your hands. It can hurt your hands playing with a mitt if you're throwing with somebody, you know, better than you. Stronger, like, let's bigger. go have a catch. It's it's fun, right? I always like catching it. Yeah, that's true. Do the, the Aussies go behind the back. Omar. Uh, all right, everybody. This is, um, hey, if you're listening to the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We'll get back to the uh, mailbag soon, but we appreciate you continuing to leave us reviews uh, and get us some shit. We need some shave it or save it's back in the new year. So we need somebody, you know, this is it's incumbent on somebody who is 
debating whether or not they should say, shave their head. But let's get back to some shave it or save it. You can DM us your uh, your submissions. We need three photos, one from the front, one from the top, maybe one from the back, something from the side, maybe make it four photos. Jed, I had an angle pregame warm-ups. You know, like the owners are down there. I mean, the team's individuals are warming up, but like John Lynch is walking around. You can see yeah. Jed. You know how you spot Jed is uh, the, there's a missing the- part on the back of his head. You know, see that from a long way away. Yeah, yeah. But he's, he's had that in his in his uh arsenal for a while now it's true it's been the same it doesn't feel like it's gotten worse i know like he still has hair you know on the front and on the sides but even though as a guy you never lose it on the sides for some weird reason that's true it's rare that you see it you just lose it on the top yeah yeah now you keep it on the sides all right uh Bunch of stuff to get to, but first let's tell you that this show is brought to you in part by mybookie.ag, promo code ham and the number one. Mybookie.ag, promo code ham and the number one, where you know we'll talk about who's got the most pressure on him this weekend. The, the, the most pressure might be on the ham lock of the week this week. Last night I was feeling, Monday night I should say, I was feeling pretty good about Alabama money line. I had some people as uh, Georgia was taken over late in the game tweeted me Alabama money line yes so um you know the the ham lock funds were once near four thousand dollars it's now at seven hundred dollars that's don't exactly know how that happened but it happened and uh it's all gone so we have i i'm all for making one large bet and i would take the 49ers plus three not money line. Not money line. Uh, don't hate that either, actually. Plus 130. Uh, I think it's plus 130 here. I don't hate plus three because this, I think, is a close football game. Um, and I would love just hitting a double here and kind of getting a second life for the postseason. I agree. Not that that's a guarantee, but, um, you know, that would be my first... I think if you ha- if I said you got to pick Cardinals or you got to pick the winner in Monday night's game, Cardinals Rams, what would you do? I wouldn't feel great about it. I, I don't. I couldn't pick. I mean, I would take the Rams, but I don't love I the Rams too. minus four. Yeah, you would take the Rams money line minus one ninety five. Yeah, see, I, I I refuse to ever make a bet like that. No, so, that's I'm I'm with you. That's the team that. I don't trust. I, I do think the twelve and a half in Pittsburgh's just. I don't feel great about that. Like it'd be hard to take a team minus twelve and a half in a playoff game with Better a team with a team. good defense. Yeah, Tomlin. Yeah. They maybe they fight. I could see that game being like ten, ten and a half, and the Chiefs end up winning. You know, twenty eight to seventeen or something. Yep. And not Bucks covering. eight and a half at home. Feels like Philly has one just kind of fight in them. For Bills quarter. minus four at home. Don't hate that. Don't hate that at all. Minus one ten. So uh, mybookie.ig promo code ham the number one, where you uh, make that deposit. They'll match that deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. If you accept the bonus, you have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw funds, or you can decline the bonus. But either way, ham one, let them know that we sent you. Uh, I guess the only question I would have is, do you go like 650 just to have an extra 50? Or will we just reload if we had to? Yeah, I mean, we just reload. I, I, I had, you know, like a month and a half ago in my head, I I was thinking about boy. By the time we get to the Super Bowl, we'll have like eight in here. We'll just put it all in the Super Bowl. It'll be for a wild Sunday. 
We we could just put five hundred and have the two hundred dollars to bet the following week. You know, I would say let's do that. Five hundred money line, forty niners. Uh, plus one thirty instead of plus three minus one fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. So five hundred. It's actually plus one thirty-five. Okay. Would win a six seventy-five. The Niners win this game. So we'd be we'd be we have almost fifteen hundred dollars. Let's do it. Did it. All right. Come on. Trey says on the stream: Bengals Raiders under. I don't like doing unders in playoff game, even though they that might make sense. Like, it, would you do you like rooting for punts? <laughs> 49. I did enjoy it in the uh, national championship game on Monday night. But but then but then they started scoring at the end of the game. See, this guy says betting as a fan. Noobs. Trey, if you've been paying attention all year long, which maybe you haven't been. Um, maybe you have been, and that's your opinion, which is fine. But uh, we have bet on the Niners from time to time when we've liked the value the most. Well, of but the games of the games rarely. this week of the games this weekend, We're, guy, um, it is by far the smallest spread. The yeah. only one that's even close is the Patriots and Bills at four in right. the Monday night game. And we're not waiting until Monday night to make a bet. It's four. I mean, you got 12 and a half. You got eight and a half. You got even the Raiders and Bengals have come down a point. But that's almost a touchdown spread at five and a half. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That's what we're doing. We'll see. Do we'll, yeah, we, we have been known to adjust as the week goes on. But that's uh, that's what we're doing. Podcast is also brought to you by DraftKings promo code HAM. DraftKings promo code HAM, where right now you can go get – how do I get to my lobby? Uh, you can go get in the uh, our DraftKings game, sign up with the code HAM, get in the Haberman and Middlecoff League, and uh, enter our game. We're right now uh, – it's 10 bucks to enter, and the uh, top prize is $270. So uh, you can just have a little fun there. That'll be the weekend. All the NFL playoff games are, are in that um, – in that game, DraftKings right now, when you sign up with the code HAM, you've got your shot at millions of dollars every round of the NFL playoffs. You can all play for the $1 million top prize every round when you sign up with code HAM, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL at DraftKings. Yep, over $1 million for each round of the playoffs. Set up your own DraftKings account if you don't already have one. Uh, it's awesome. We highly recommend it because it's sweet. Use the promo code HAM to get a shot of share of millions of dollars every round of the NFL playoffs. Millions of dollars, guy. Millions of dollars every round of the National Football League playoffs. What do you think of this team? I, this is not my real lineup. People get mad when you show your real lineup. This is not my real lineup. But this team I put together with just blind fill-out. Josh Allen, Leonard Fournette, Singletary, Renfro, Cooper, Devontae Smith, Sternberger. I don't I, even know if I, he plays. I, I, I like Sternberger. Actually ended up with the Niners defense accidentally. This will not be my lineup, so don't get mad at me for showing it. Well, it didn't have IR next to Leonard Fournette on yeah, here. Yeah, so this will not be my lineup. <laughs> that's a problem. That's the good news, though. They, they they keep you from doing anything dumb. But anyway, that's what a lineup can look like if you haven't played Daily Fantasy before. Give it a shot at DraftKings. Promo code HAM when you sign up. Let's do it. All right. Um, so we've gone through the schedule, and I think looking at the lines – really proves the point that that uh, we're about to discuss, which is there's the historical value to the Diner-Cowboy game. They have not met in the conference uh, or in the playoffs since 1995. We talked about game the other day. The 95 NFC Championship game is still the fourth most-watched conference championship game ever. 
since the merger in the common draft era uh, ever. Over 56 million people watched it. And obviously those guys were, uh, you know, that was a series of, uh, that was the rivalry in football in the NFC for sure at that time. Um, But this is not quite that, but I think there's still so much left over here that this makes it a a premium playoff game. This is what you, you hope playoff games could be. I love all these matchups this weekend because they are NFL playoff games, but this one's pretty unique. And I think what also makes it unique, not just the history of it, John, but it has the chance to be the game of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, from a star power standpoint, I mean, there are star players at positions all over the place in this game. And that's a huge part, looking back to the 90s, was they were all pros at all different positions. Like, part of getting a sweet rivalry going at the highest level and then playing again in the playoffs is having Pro Bowl-level players, having all Pro-level players. Now, typically in football, you get a great rivalry with two quarterbacks. Manning versus Brady, Rodgers versus those guys, you know, Roethlisberger versus those guys. This, uh, Jimmy and Dak, to me, what's crazy, you would say that they're, I mean, Dak is, I mean, Jimmy's pretty famous, but Dak, I guess, would be the more accomplished player as like a thrower. Uh, They, to me, are not the headliners of this game, though, because to me, the Cowboys aren't defined by Dak Prescott this season, really, even though he had a good year. And the Niners 100% are not defined by their quarterback. I mean, which makes this game kind of unique, right? When you look at some of these other games, I mean, the Raiders and Bengals, when you think about those two teams, the Bengals, you think of Joe Burrow, right? In the Raiders, hell, you think of Derek Carr right now. The Bills, Josh Allen, you know, Tampa Bay, obviously Tom Brady. In this game, I mean, what when I think the 49ers, you think Kyle Shanahan. And when yeah. actually, when I think Dallas Cowboys, and this is probably different than in the 90s in the peak of the rivalry, like Jerry Jones has become a lot more famous since in his role in the league. But you think Jerry Jones, I mean, he, you were telling me about his comments with the kicker. I was typing in, you know, some Cowboy stuff into Twitter just to like search for some information. And it's Jerry giving quotes about the kicker being inconsistent. You know, that's, that's not, is there another owner this week talking about players on his team? Um, no, I mean, silent Stan. That's what the soccer fans of the team that he owns uh, call him because you never see him. I've never uh, seen a Stan Kroenke quote in all my years of just following the NFC West. I mean, maybe you'd hear from Kraft, right? Um, but that's a, that's it. That's the only other person that I think might talk. I mean, Mark Davis, I guess, maybe. Nah, when does Mark Davis ever talk? I don't know. I just see him sometimes, but I guess it's at league meetings when they've got him by an elevator. Uh, is Mike Brown the owner of the Bengals? Yeah. Okay. But he doesn't. I feel. I don't feel like he's talked since. No, I don't know. Hard knocks. He's not a talker. So yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. I I think the way you described it though, in terms of like, there are two teams that can't win without their quarterbacks playing well. Yeah, I'm not, obviously it's the sport of football. You need your quarterback, but the, they are the Cowboys more because they have a passing offense. I mean, they they depend on Dak Prescott. The 49ers like want Jimmy just to be a role player. Now there are moments in games like last week where he needs to be more than that, and he's proven that he can. But Jimmy is not even when he's on. I would say like the star of the team. The, the offense. What what would he in terms of talent? Trent Williams, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, right? Yeah. Hell, Ayuk. Yeah. I mean, D- Debo finished fifth in the league in receiving yards, even though he's 25th in receptions, which is pretty 
crazy. I also just think on a basic level, right? Dallas, I saw I saw somebody put this in the chat. Dallas was six and zero against its division. Um, then which is not a good division. Well, they won that game. I mean, a couple not weeks ago, that Sunday night game, they were up like eighty to nothing. Remember that game against the football team? Yeah, and then they scored fifty one against the Eagles on Saturday. Now I know nobody really cared about that game, but they scored fifty one points on the road. I mean, I know it was Minshew. They scored fifty one points. So, uh, but at twelve and five, to me, they. I I wonder with them, and this might be unfair. They're the they're they're the highest scoring offense in the NFL. Cowboys. It's the a franchise record. Now it's hard, right? Everyone's playing an extra game this year, but they scored the most points they've ever scored in Cowboy history. I do wonder. And they, and by the way, that stat they had scored the most points before they even played Philly. On they they'd done it after sixteen games. This is where I would say I wonder if their division played a part because. Like you said, the Eagles game, they scored 51 points. Now, the Eagles somewhat threw the game. Not that the Cowboys wouldn't have beat him because they played him earlier and kicked the shit out of him. But 51 points. The two weeks before against the football team, 56 points. So in a two of their last three weeks, they scored 56 and 51. And both of them have been against the NFC East. Giants, football team, 21-27. It just feels like they score a lot of points against. They scored 44 against the Giants. They scored 41 earlier this season against the Eagles. Like they've they've racked up some points against the NFC least, as some say. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they did get two teams in in. I, I am a little uncomfortable with how, you know, I think it's a function of everybody saying for a month the Niners are the team you don't want to see if you make the playoffs. Then they made the playoffs. And so, you know, I, I think there's the Niners can be a little bit of a popular pick. But I, I just think that um that's that I don't think you're getting that. 50-point Dallas offense, and I don't think Dallas would expect to get a 50-point. That's just the playoffs can be different. Uh, but I do think it's going to be hard. I think the strength, you know, the idea that the Niners' strength is running the ball, that the Cowboys' defensive weaknesses run defense, that the Niners, if we're going to break their defense down into strength and weaknesses, their secondary is their weakness, and that obviously is a strength for Dallas, right? And so I think there are just some things here that play into both teams being able to have some success and making it an exciting game. Now, ideally, if you're the Niners, you don't want to get into a, a game with, you know, whatever, five possessions per team per half with Dallas. Because you just, to me, I think the more you, if both quarterbacks have to throw a lot, that favors Dak probably. But it's not like Dak's, in, you know, I like I love Dak. He's such, he's one of the easiest guys to root for in the league. I think where it hurts, though, is just, I think both teams can get after the quarterback, and that's where it can get a little weird for it, both for both the Niners and the Cowboys, right? If if Trent's if how what's Trent's health, Micah Parsons, I, the Niners, one of the more I don't know if it's underrated, but I think one of the more impressive parts of watching them every week is their ability to just create chaos in the pocket. Well, I think the thing that makes Micah Parsons so awesome is they got him a pick twelve. Looking back, he didn't play his junior year at Penn State. So it was a little out of sight, out of mind. And he still ended up going, without playing, went 12th overall. If he had played, he might go top five. He might have been the fourth overall pick after the quarterbacks. Because I think what Micah Parsons is, is what Will Anderson is. And if Will Anderson was draft eligible, do you know that Will Anderson would be easily the number one overall pick in the draft? I I do know And when you watch Will Anderson play, and maybe they're a little different, 
But I actually think they have a lot of similarities. Like Will Anderson just fucking running everywhere, making tackles, sacks. There was one play in the national championship where he got off the ball and, and Herbstreit was like, did he off sides? They're like, no, he just timed it perfectly. And you just watch Micah Parsons. There is like a physicality, a speed, a burst. He's just, they put him over center in the guard. He stands up outside. He plays linebacker. He just does it all that, uh, that makes this game. Like I, the more good players that are in a game, the more I'm into. That's why the last week was cool. You know, they were just star players in the, in that Rams Niner game. That's what, yeah. that's what playoff games are. Um, it'll you know, look good it'll on look TV. Awesome. It'll look awesome. And I, I saw that people that Cowboys were putting out like, Maybe definitely cowboy like fan blogs. Do not sell your tickets. Do not sell your tickets. Because the one thing is the Niners. I would imagine their household income of their fans that are willing to travel might be a little higher, and they're willing to buy some of these tickets. And some of these people, I'm not a season ticket holder. You're not either, but I know people that are. Not even just with the night, just in general. And I could understand if you pay. I'm just going to pick an even number. A thousand dollars for a year season tickets for whatever. That's probably way low, but I'm just pick the number yeah. and you can get on a, you know, 80% of it back in one game. And you're like, ah, I couldn't even make it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, well, like my, my neighbor told me he sold his seats, right? He, each, each, I think each, I think it was a thousand dollars for the PSL, each one. So to your point, like you can make your PSL back in, you can make your PSL and make money in one you're, year. You're saying he gave up his PSLs. He just gave up. Yeah. He gave up his seats. And, um, you know, I think that you're right. I, I think it happens a lot. I think it'll happen a little bit on Sunday. That? Didn't seem like it. Kind of a trek to get down there. Yeah, he's got a he's got a young kid now. He's like, I go to the zoo now more than I go to football games. But <laughs> or maybe it was two thousand. I don't remember. Whatever it was. Uh, but it. Um, if the team was good, it'd be easy to sell them. But that, the yeah, it takes effort. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's. I think the younger fans that I've interacted with are underestimating the history of this a little bit. And I was listening to a cowboy uh, podcast and one of the guys, like the Locked On Cowboy podcast, and one of the guys was like, you know, I don't even think about those old games, um, which I get. But I think from a TV product, I think it's going to be, and it should be, like a big part of what you see. I think it's, if you've grown up watching any football, you see these two uniforms famous photos of Emmett Smith sitting there in the mud, right? Head down on the sideline, Dion and Michael Irvin going toe to toe, Steve Young and Troy Aikman. I mean, wasn't there a famous game, not a famous game. Cause it was a regular season game. And it was Tony where Tony Romo played with like a, cause Witten played with like a spleen. That's right? when he threw the walk-off touchdown to the guy that had been on like the TV show. Wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. That had the dreads. Didn't, yeah. didn't Tony Romo play hurt against the 49ers at camp yeah. stick. Yeah. And beat him. That might've been, uh, the year before Harbaugh got there might have been a Singletary year, but it was pretty legendary. Like, Tony Romo shouldn't play in this game. And he did it, and then he hit that guy. Yeah, that had been in, like, the big break, but for football. Was it, like, Dion's show? Wasn't that what it was? Pros versus Joes? Not pros versus <laughs> Joes. It was, like, uh, I thought Dion was part of that show. Like, you know, making the league or so, like, making the band, but making the league. Um, I remember the guy was a reality TV guy, but then he got a shot. Maybe they just worked him out. Yeah, it was Harbaugh's first season. You're right. Yeah. The rib game. What was that guy's name? Anyway, I, I mean, his catch, last name was Wilson. The catch Monday was 40 years since the catch. That was you know, the Cowboys. But, but, I, but I, think, I think part of the problem is, because you're saying that people don't, 
the, from a broadcast standpoint, they're going to utilize it. I, I just don't. I I mean, think how long ago 1993 I, was or whatever. I understand yeah, I, young Aikman, and they're still those guys are still really famous, and it's a big deal. I, it's just a long time ago. Like Harbaugh was ten years ago now. You know? No, it's true, but I think it's. I think we underestimate Jesse Holly. Jesse Holly. Jesse Holly. It's someone said it was Michael Irvin's show. I think we underestimate how much history plays into sports, even if it's history we're not totally aware of. I think there's just like a pressure that gets created that there's just something there that isn't there for every game. And I think it was there for Niners Cowboys in the Harbaugh era. I think it'll be there forever in the same way it'll be there forever with the Red Sox and the Yankees. It doesn't mean everybody has to remember it, but I think there's just enough people that are aware of it that it kind of rub- there is a passion that comes from that. This is like the most basic thing, one of the most basic elements that makes sports great. I mean, it's like one of the things you don't have to be an SEC fan or be in the SEC country to feel a little extra when two SEC teams play each other in the national championship game. No, for sure. So I don't think it's escape I I don't think it's escapable. Whether you remember the Niners Cowboys games of the 90s, of the 80s, of the 70s or you remember none of it. I don't think I I I don't think you can escape that element is just in this rivalry. Well, I was thinking today, do you think Kyle Shanahan would even bring up how much this game means or is that not something that you even want to talk about stuff back from the 90s? Because why would you just want your players focused on the present? Yeah, I don't think it means anything necessarily to them in that regard. I'm with you. I don't. We're doing this one for Ricky Waters. This is for fucking Jesse Hawley when he was running down Candlestick. That's bullshit. Jesse William Hawley. Floyd. He was the winner of Michael Irvin's football reality show, Fourth and Long, Fourth and, and, rece- long. and received an invitation to attend Dallas. They did a reality show for an invitation to go to Dallas ca- uh, training camp. Now, oh, it was specifically a cowboy show. Specifically a cowboy Genius. show. This guy had played at the University of North Carolina and had been in training camp with the Bengals. He had played in the Canadian Football League, so it's not like Haberman or Middlecoff just showed up there to try to make Dallas Cowboys. Like it makes sense why this guy won it. But before being on Fourth and Long, he was working as a security guard as well as selling cell phones in North Carolina. And that was in 2009. So he made the team and stayed around for a couple of years. Pretty incredible story. By Michael Amazing. Irvin. I don't think it gets enough. That, that's the type of story that shouldn't just die as, as easily yeah. as it did. Kurt Warner got a movie? I know. Fuck. We wanted to mention this. Our friends, John, from Puesto reached out to us. And they said, hey, we've got, can you tell people that we've got, obviously, incredible food. We've got. Fantastic drinks like the Bang Bang Margarita, the exclusive Levi Stadium Margarita. And we want them to come watch the Niner game at our Santa Clara location on Sunday. And we said, hell yeah, we can tell them. Puesto is fantastic. It's food that we told you about all football season long. Multiple locations in California, including two locations in Levi Stadium. Now, the Niners are not at Levi Stadium. So you got to go to Santa Clara to watch the 49er game at Puesto this Sunday. Yep, they'll be offering exclusive Levi Stadium margaritas in the restaurant for one day in celebration of the game. Obviously, that guy said the bang bang with uh, El Tesoro Blanca tequila, strawberry lime, and uh, Tahim Rim. Yeah, the perfect tahim cocktail the rim, you know, the, mm, to enjoy nice. while uh, cheering on the 49ers. But go there, have some tacos, get yourself a margarita, a little bang bang, 
and enjoy watching the game down in Santa Clara. Let's, let's lock in Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Sunday, you get there, you know. They open at 11 a.m. So 11 you can, I would say get there, you know, maybe head in at halftime of the of the first game, watch the end of that game, get a good seat, get some food. I mean, they got we, – we were there. They've got drinks. Anything your mind could imagine is there. Big time. Plus they have their own uh, uh, collection of Mexican lagers that is – I think the the uh, Negra Dark Lager oh. won a huge award at the Great American Beer Festival. We ate there, and it's fantastic. The Adler brothers, Eric and Alex, are huge, huge Niner fans, and I know Lydia's got the whole thing squared away. So, um, what was your favorite taco? Did you like uh, the the shrimp? I, I thought I got the uh, short rib. Oh, you uh, the short rib? No, no, you like the, uh, the there was the short rib was very good. We went and we ordered a bunch of stuff. The flaming young, yeah, was very good. The short rib was. Fantastic. The quesadilla taco was the short rib, right? The crispy melted oh. cheese, the braised short rib, the Jalisco oh. salsa, the pickled radish. Um, it goes on and on and on. So tacos, check. Margaritas, check. Uh, great beer, check. Great appetizers, check. Shrimp, tacos, fish, tacos. The Puesto Perfect guacamole with the avocado, cilantro, onion, fresh squeeze, lime, and orange with the Parmigiana Reggiano on the top. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. It's fantastic. So go it's get really it. Puesto, good. Santa Clara, okay. I mean, you can go to Concord. You can go to Southern California, but it's not far from Levi's. Santa Clara location. Niner game this Sunday. Game kicks off at what? One thirty. One thirty. So I, that my th- my thing would be get in there around you know back end of the first game, which is the Bucks Eagles game. Get a seat, get settled in, get some brew, some appetizer, a margarita. Kind of time that first order for kickoff, so you're biting it oh. in as Robbie Gold is uh, you know kicking it off because Mitch, Mitch probably won't do the kickoffs. <laughs> Mitch might not even be around as Debo's kicking it off. No, as as uh, as as one of the Niners return guys is doing this in the end zone, John, both arms out. It's the best signal it, the, to me. The best play the Niners have on special teams return is. I agree. Watch the ball sail over there. Well, head. one thing I noticed with the Cowboys, CD Lambs are punt returner. I'm like, oh my god, how's Hightower going to tackle? That's this problematic, guy? John, as the internet likes to say. Yeah, I don't. CD Lamb punt returner. You, you never you never think about punt and kick returners unless you're playing like uh, what's his name that used to play for the Bears. Like it's not or Deion Sanders, but if you just have like an above average guy, and I see you back there, I'm like, oh, problems. CD Lamb, I could see CD Lamb taking one like fifty. Devin Hester. Yeah, Devin Hester. Yeah, that was his name. He returned, uh, I think, the first kickoff against Peyton Manning to the house. He did. Our buddy Cam Morrell was right there with him on his back. Then I don't think they scored again. Uh, Rex Grossman, Gustavo on the stream says Niners have Debo. Well, uh, you know. Does Debo ever get a chance to return it? Or well, yeah, well, they, he doesn't punt return either. Well, maybe it'd be time. I mean, that's just give me like eight yards on a punt return, and we can move on. All right. So, do the Cowboys go? We go through these playoff. Um, this, this go through the playoff schedule. Do the Cowboys have the most pressure on them in the playoffs? And you know, you look at another team that's been playing, A, they're the underdog, B, they've been playing in these elimination games. It feels like must-win games for a month. Um, the Cowboys have been playing more for, you know, seeding. And <clears throat> I just wonder if you can get up on them, particularly early, are you playing a team that's feeling heat? I mean, Jerry Jones, they won whatever it was, five games last year, five uh, six games last year. 
do they have pressure on them to advance? And does that come into the psyche of uh, Mike McCarthy's team at all? I think, you know, I think the Packers and Tampa, the pressure on them just to try to win the Super Bowl is big. Same with Kansas City. The pressure to me to win a playoff game, a home playoff game, is equally as big on Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. Like, I don't think that pressure on them to win the Super Bowl. I mean, the Cowboys haven't been past the second round since the mid-90s. They have not been to the NFC Championship since 1996, whatever their third Super Bowl was. Maybe it was 95. I always get that 95, 96 season. You know what I mean. You know, yeah. They won 92, 93, 91, 94, 95. Yeah. But I, Mike McCarthy cannot lose the playoff game at home when he just went 12 and 5. I don't give a shit. It's like, well, we got the Niners. It's a rough matchup. They to a team really that just player. got in. Got in because of a fucking overtime interception. <laughs> right? And uh, it sucks if you're them because... You were looking at playing the Eagles or the Saints, and then all of a sudden you got the Niners. Like, if you could have asked them what teams would you like to play, Eagles, Saints, Niners, if they had to rank the teams they would like, the teams they would not like, the Niners would have been third. Eagles won? Saints defense, or would you rather just play the Saints offense? Uh, I mean, they beat the, the the Cowboys beat the Saints, I think, four or five weeks ago. So you, you'd probably just go Eagles won because you know them really well, and you kick their ass in the Saints, and then the Niners clear clear three yeah not knowing entirely i'd be really interested to know really the dynamic um not the working relationship with mike mccarthy and kellen i've, Moore. I've read from people that it's really good i mean yeah i and I'm, I, I yeah okay so I'll, I'll i'll assume that it is and i'm the point i'm making can exist even if they have the best relationship you should you could possibly have but when you work for jerry jones i think you're very aware that you can get replaced now, Jerry has actually had quite a bit of stability at head coach. It's not like Jerry goes all willy-nilly with his head coaches, so maybe Mike feels comfortable. But I think he's got to be very aware that Jerry is desperately trying to not just win a championship, just advance a few rounds in the playoffs. Uh, what is he, almost 90? And, uh, you know, I do think there comes a time when you have to make, because Jerry did it once before with Jason Garrett, you have to kind of evaluate who is the best coach on my staff right now. And if he thinks he's going to lose Kellen Moore to uh, somebody else's head coach offering, does that put Mike McCarthy's job at jeopardy if Mike is not fully delivering what Jerry Jones thinks he should be fully delivering? I, I'll just put it in put myself in Jerry's shoes. I would be thinking about it. I would be thinking to myself, is my offensive coordinator the better choice for the next five years than my head coach? And I wouldn't make that decision if my head coach is taking me to the NFC Championship game. But I would make that decision if I feel like my head coach is not delivering. Say what you want. I mean, they. I know Dak got hurt last year, so maybe it's a wash. Maybe it's a free year for Mike McCarthy. But it was not a successful year. I mean, there's no way you would call it that. So I that would be on my mind if I were Jerry Jones. I don't know if it's on Mike's mind. I don't know if Mike well, feels it, it, good it about ha- it. But. It happened once upon a time, and I'm not saying Kellen Moore is going to be Sean Payton. It did. But remember, Sean Payton was Parcells' offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. And people were like, he was a star. I remember, I remember hearing about the guy as, a, as like high school. He was a highly thought of guy. And then he went to the Saints, and it was, you know, they, I think they talked about that in Cowboy Land for a long period of time because Parcells was old, right? That was part of it. It was like Bill is not young. He, you know, this guy is going to retire soon. And you have the star. You should have just made, even if he just got a fire built, do whatever. If he could have that to do over, he would have. Yeah, you would that's think. a good point. 
That's a good point. I mean, Jason Garrett took over for Wade Phillips, right? It's gone both ways for him. Yeah. So I think that's pressure. Now, is it more pressure than what Cliff Kingsbury feels with his job on the line? You know, maybe Cliff individually feels more pressure than Mike McCarthy, but you can't convince me the Arizona Cardinals, who used to never go to the playoffs and are now in the playoffs, have more pressure on them than the Dallas Cowboys do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they had they had high picks for like three straight years. The Cardinals. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. The Bucks have pressure. The Chiefs have pressure. The Packers have pressure. But it's different than what the Cowboys have. Yeah. And I think every team that's playing in the playoffs probably feels some pressure. You know what I mean? Like the Eagles probably. Like it's the playoffs. Like Nick's like, sure. when are you going to get here again? You never know. Nothing's guaranteed. Be where your feet are. But I think Dallas has the most. Like what? Look at it the reverse of it. What would be the biggest story? Which team winning the Super Bowl would be the biggest story of all the teams in the playoffs right now? Rich Piscaccia. Rich Piscaccia. That would feel like, you're right, that would feel like a major breakthrough. Like, I can't believe that team just won. It's funny, right? Georgia won the national title, and it's like, oh. It was like Georgia-Alabama in the title game. And people are like, oh, here we go. Same old story. And Georgia's like, same old story. We haven't won a championship since 1982. What do you mean, same old story? Yeah. We haven't won a championship since 1982. So, uh, like, I think it would feel like a major, major breakthrough for the Raiders. Obviously, the Bengals would be a big deal. But I think I think we as a football-watching nation have been watching the Cowboys for two decades now. More. Two and a half. Fail to get back to what, you know, people kind of, they act like is kind of their birthright. Because they were established as that, like the dominant, the dominant team in the league, and Jerry's been desperately trying to get back there. So I, I think I a lot. Think, I think a lot of people have uh, anger is probably the wrong word, but just negative feelings toward the Cowboys because they're talked about ad nauseum. Every channel you turn on about sports, when it comes to football, they're just a go-to. You know, they get the Lakers, they get the Yankee treatment. And the difference is, like, the Lakers have won a lot over the last couple of decades. Even the Yankees, I know that they're mad they haven't won a World Series since 2009, but it does feel, guy, like they're on fucking the playoffs all the time, right? The Yankees playing big games. I mean, the Cowboys have not really been that relevant at, given the hype that they get talked about over the last 20 years. Like the Steelers, the Packers, I mean, these teams win all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Right. The Patriots. Now the Chiefs with Andy. When Andy was in Philly, like the Cowboys, like making you could argue making the playoffs for them is just a big deal. Like you accomplish something. That's really you know it. They are not the Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer Cowboys, where it's just like they're going to be favored in every round, trying to win the Super Bowl. I mean, the guy, they went twelve and five. They have a home game and they're favored by three points. In a weekend where a lot of teams, I mean, the good teams, the Chiefs, favored by 12 and a half. The Bucks favored, you know, that game could be like nine and a half by kickoff, right? <laughs> like, that's the good. Right. And, and to go back to the point, they're the number one scoring offense in the league. Even the Rams, a lot of issues. And the Cardinals, who at one point in time looked like they were going to win like 13 games, they're favored by more points than the Cowboys are against the Niners that, like you said, had to, it took them a miraculous last 10 minutes of a game to just get into the playoffs. But yet, when you think about it, you're like, yeah, the Niners could easily win this game. You're right. I mean, it's it's the Niners feel a little bit like the team that wins and then plays the one seed coming off a bye the next week. 
where you go, well, the one seed's got home field, but you know that other team, maybe they got a little something. They already warmed up. They played a game. The Niners have been playing that. Just they, they to me are tuned up right now for the postseason. Doesn't mean they're the better team necessarily. It just means they are tuned. They've they just played in a playoff game on Sunday. Yeah. You know, they just dealt with the pain of losing that Tennessee game. And lucky for them, that didn't turn out to be a playoff game. They got another shot. Um, They've been playing in those games with that pressure. And I think there's something to be said for that, for playing in that pressure um, and feeling that same type of pressure when you walk out on the field that the other team maybe hasn't hasn't felt yet this year. Has Dallas felt that level of pressure at any point this year? I'd say no. Yeah, and when is this group with Amari? I see he's only been there his second year. Dak. You know, Micah Parsons, like these guys haven't been in this environment. This is a first for them. McCarthy being the head coach of this team. Like the Niners, a lot of their core guys were just involved in a Super Bowl run a year and a half ago or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's, it'll be very, very interesting if the game starts against the Cowboys. The Niners have shown they can get down and come back. But when you get up, like they can also feel it. Can the do the Cowboys have the metal and the moxie to come back? Yeah, I think I think Dak does as a guy, but sometimes I watch him. My issue with Dak is, like you said, he's one of the easier players in the league to root for. You just like fuck, I'd want to hang out with the guy, but his his football physical attribute as a player are just like you know his arms okay. <laughs> he just has some passes that you're like, what the hell was that? He has some Jimmy Garoppolo level throws. He really does. And they Zeke's a shell of himself. Um, I mean, to me, even the the corner who has eleven interceptions, and that you have eleven interceptions on the season, you don't luck into that. But goddamn, he gets smoked. And I saw a PFF weeks ago did something during the I think during the Arizona game. But the Niners were maybe playing the Texans. I wasn't really focusing on that game, and their whole thing was like this guy is. For the beside the eleven interceptions, he's having a historically poor season covering people. And then you watch that game against the Cardinals. AJ Green looked like it was two thousand. How's he so fourteen? Uh, well, did AJ Green get really fast? The game's running by him. AJ Green's had a good season. AJ Green yes. was a good sneaky signing, but he smoked, smoked digs that game. Like their DBs more than once. I don't think their DBs looked that good. No, they, you can get open down the field on them. The question is, could the Niners hit that pass? Yeah, and they don't usually. Kyler's much more likely to throw deep. Kyler does throw deep on the run. And, and Kyler extends plays against them. Yeah. Like the Cardinals are a problem for them, as we talked about on our well, live. One, one thing in that game, and it was really the only game they've lost you know, over the last month, is their defensive linemen get back there, and they're moving. But Kyler was just... Allen Iverson crossovers and some spin moves and just got away. That'll be something like Jimmy ain't doing that. No, but Jimmy does get rid of the ball. Like that's the key. Yeah. Just, we got to hope it's not too guy wearing white or when they get, they will get to him that he holds on to it. Right. And not allow it to be put out where they can hit it and fumble. Well, someone like taps it and like pokes out of his hand. That'll be a coaching point, John. Uh, So Trayvon digs 11 picks most in the NFL. This surprised me when I looked it up the other day. It's the most interceptions in the NFL since 1981. 11 interceptions. It's not a record, but it's the most in the league since 1981. It's an incredible accomplishment. I, I think I the mean, record's like 14. I think it was uh, Everson how's that, Walls. How's that even was a possible? Cowboy. Uh, 
Night Train Lane, John. 14 interceptions for the Rams in 1952. Lester Hayes. The list of inter- all, interception all-time names. Lester Hayes and Dan Sandifer. Hayes in 80 for the Raiders. Sandifer in 48 for Washington. Wasn't Lester Sp- Hayes the guy that wore the stickum for the Raiders? Uh, yes. With, like, just the big, like, tape just covered in yellow stickum. Stickum all over his fucking arms and hands. Uh, Speck Sanders in 1950, Jack Christensen in 53, Don Dole, Fred Glick in 63, Paul Krause in 64, Woodley Lewis and Bob Nussbaumer in 50 and 49. Do you think a, do you think a lot of guys in the 50s and 60s were throwing pickable balls? I mean, <laughs> they were just throwing basketball passes, you know? Uh, they probably caught the ball like this. Uh, Emmett Thomas in 74, Sammy Baugh? Sammy Baugh in 1943 at 11 picks. Mel uh, Mel Blunt in seventy five um, and Trayvon Diggs in in twenty one. Well, to me, the, their best player on defense, and I think it's is it even a question? He's going to be no. the defensive rookie of the year. No, it's not a question. He didn't just have like one of the better. He had one of the better seasons for just a young player in the league, let alone a rookie. I think we've seen in a long time. Like holy shit, you know. Remember when Aaron Donald got drafted and everyone's like, God damn. Had this guy fell to 14? I think J.J. Watt was kind of like that. If this guy had gone two or three, it might not have been as crazy. Like, Nick Bosa was just really good. People were like, yeah, that's why you draft him, too. Once you fall out of the top 10, you're like, oh, my God, Jerry Jones nailed this one. And he did. But I do think it factors in that he didn't play last year. And that I think we're going to look back. He didn't just randomly go 12. He did not. He sat the season out. I, I have a hard time thinking if that guy played last year that he makes it out of the top 10. <laughs> I, I just do. Like, for example, the Miami Dolphins, if they could do it over, would they rather have Micah Parsons or Jalen Waddle? And I know Waddle caught 100 balls or whatever, but, like, you take Micah Parsons. Yeah. Would the Atlanta Falcons rather have Kyle Pitts, who's awesome, 1,000-yard season as a tight end, or Micah Parsons? The guy's a pass rusher who's unstoppable. Well, look at it this way. If the Dolphins had drafted, for whatever reason, you, it doesn't work this way, but if they had drafted Micah Parsons ahead of Justin Herbert, we would not be clowning them at every every time Justin Herbert has a 300-yard game. You'd go, well, you should have gone with the quarterback, but I know it was a different draft. But yeah. you got a guy that might – like Micah Parsons might be the defensive player of the year in the league one day soon. Yeah, maybe next year. He's that good, right? One other note on pressure for the Cowboys. Their kicker has missed playoff kicks, has missed six extra points this year, which is the most missed extra points in the league. And um, according to uh, Bones – Bones, what bone? Uh, Bones fossil. I always want to say Bones Jones. <laughs> Bones fossil. Just some mental stuff. We 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 got we got it figured out. Just some mental stuff. That's a little scary. That's a little scary. So Niners can fuck up on special teams too. So yeah, no, it's it's if a two way street, John. If they miss a kick, the Niners will be like, hey, we'll raise you a fumbled uh, muff punt. Hopefully, you give one. They if they give one. If you give one, they give one for uh, for the sake of the bet. Um, matchup to watch. I mean, you mentioned Kyle Shanahan. We've got Kyle Shanahan against Dan Quinn. If you pulled uh, 32 GMs, who has the advantage? What do you think the number would be? Mike Sando. I think it would skew relatively high, close to 32 to zero, Kyle Shanahan. It's been fun to watch Dan Quinn because he got fired last year, kind of just resurrect his career. He wears a backwards hat. You see him on he the one game McCarthy missed with COVID. Uh, I forget what was that Thursday night. Maybe it was a Monday night. 
maybe it was Sunday night. I thought it was a it was a it was definitely a primetime game. He's a bundle of energy. But it almost feels like people forgot that as the Falcons fell apart and became a disaster on his watch, it was like, how is your defense so terrible? Aren't you a defensive guy? And he was getting crushed of like, he doesn't know anything for defense. Remember, they had a moment where they took all their position coaches at all the positions and they just threw them into a hat and they just picked it out and guys started coaching different positions. They were inspired. I, that that would happen at the NFL level is insane. Because didn't Raheem Morris become like the running backs coach or something? Well, I thought or he the, went from the wide receiver coach to the defensive coordinator that's right, or something. Coordinator. So, but it was like that's how desperate they were. And Dan, who again, people say he's a nice, high character guy. He's the type of guy you root for. People love that have been around him. But he is not viewed as like some until this year when it's like Micah Parsons kicking everyone's ass as a dynamic defensive scheme guy. So, I mean, that was always the knock on him in Atlanta. So now Kyle, who is just going to have some unique insight because when he worked for him and the way practice works is, now I know, you know, Dan Quinn, I don't think was the defensive coordinator then, but he's on the defensive side of the ball that Kyle and the defensive coordinator and Dan Quinn, like when they're getting ready for practice, they do practice scripts. Like you just philosophically end up spending a lot of time talking football and knowing what he likes, knowing what he doesn't. He's literally, they'll practice against him for multiple years, right? And his looks and what he wants it to look like. So now that's years ago, but it does, it's not nothing. And Kyle naturally is just, I mean, he has an advantage, whoever he's playing. We saw it last week when Kyle kind of got rolling in the second half and that that stretch where he runs the 10 straight runs. And I just, I have a hard time seeing, because here's the thing, like Dan Quinn is not the head coach, but we know as we saw last year when Mike Nolan was the defensive coordinator, Mike McCarthy knows nothing about like the defense. You can't even really blame him for the defense. It's like, does he hire the right guy? Like last year, Mike McCarthy's fault in 2020 with the Cowboys was that he hired Mike Nolan. Right. Their defense sucked. That's on Mike Nolan because McCarthy has nothing to do with it. you know. But he hired the wrong guy. This year, it looked like he hired a guy that just inspired the group. But you watch him against the Cardinals. Is it more of an inspired group play than more like defensive schematics? Because I just see number 11 flying all over the place. Randy Gregory's back, who you know battled forever with the marijuana laws in the league. That guy is a very, very athletic individual. And then Lawrence, the Boise State guy, I think had a broken foot or something this year, and he only ended up playing the second half of the year. He's pretty talented too. So they got the defensive rookie of the year and then two other pass rushers. If you just have three pass rushers, we see it with the Niners. Now their linebackers with the Niners are better than the Cowboys. Like Van Der Esch is not going to be able to cover Debo or you know Elijah Mitchell. That's just not going to be his thing. But if those defensive linemen cause havoc, then you can throw everything else off. Yeah. I, I think it's um, – uh, uh, by the way, I, oh, r- r- I mean, the one thing, in hindsight, I didn't realize at the time, you know, Raheem Morris, I'd forgotten – He remember he did the McVeigh podcast? Yeah. With Schrager, him and Tomlin. And he talked about how he went to Atlanta. He became the pass game coordinator, even though he'd been a defensive coach the whole time. And he learned offense. 
Raheem Maybe that's what he was, defensive coordinator, and then they moved him to wide receivers. No, no, no. He was the he went there, took this crazy job. It's like he's a defensive coach. He became like an offensive coach for the Falcons and stayed an offensive coach for like three or four years. Because someone told him you should do that to help your career out. And that so it's less crazy that he became the defensive coordinator because that's what he is is a defensive coach. Not that crazy at all. It just sounds crazy when they pull it out of a hat. Yeah, it, it's it not really pulling out of a hat. Honestly, that might have been that might have been a hyped up story then. But it was every coach chain jobs. Yeah, that's what I thought. It is still crazy for your like. Remember when Louis? I mean, I guess this Luis Castillo going from offensive line coach to was it Luis Castillo? No, that isn't Luis. Is that the guy that hit the game winning uh, hit off Mariano Rivera? No, that's a one. That's one um, Gonzalez. Luis Castillo was a second baseman though, and for like the Marlins. Are you sure it's not Luis Gonzalez? Oh, Luis Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Juan, it's Juan Castillo. Juan Castillo. I got see. I got all those names together. I figured it out. Went from O line coach to DC for Andy in in Philly. So it's not quite bad that, move. But bad move. Yeah, bad move. But uh, you make it, John. You throw enough passes, you'll throw a pick now and then. Whatever. You got to take some chances. Um, in any of my point is. A, I think Kyle's better at what he does than Dan Quinn is at what he does. I think Kyle's. One of the best at what he does, right? Just for, if I'm talking about coordinator matchup, A. B, I think if you have a situation where two coordinators know each other, I don't think we can universally say the offensive guy always has the advantage because, in theory, the offense always has the advan- the first advantage in that they make the first move. I call right? the play. Yeah. I call the play. But You react. Some of the best defensive coordinators are the ones that create. You don't even get to make your first move, right? Dick LeBeau, I'm just... I'm going to make it so overwhelming for you that you don't ever get to dictate terms. I dictate terms to you as a defense, but it's a little harder to dictate terms as a defense than it is for an offense. All thing, if all your personnel is equal, yeah. right? As in college where your personnel sometimes isn't equal. So I think Kyle just has the basic advantage there. Then the other coordinator matchups really interesting too. I mean, Kellen Moore's been calling offense longer than D'Amico Ryan has been calling defense. And D'Amico obviously played in the league much longer than Kellen played. But both guys are in a pretty new spot. Like for both of them, it's a pretty massive week, right? Mike McCarthy's been here before. Kyle Shanahan's been here before. Dan Quinn's been here before. D'Amico has never called defense in a playoff game. And Kellen Moore has never called offense in a playoff game, right? No. So it's a pretty fascinating matchup. Do you know that D'Amico Ryan, who when I think about D'Amico Ryan, I think of a young guy is four years older than Kellen Moore. Kellen wow. Moore's 33 years old. Which is young. Very but D'Amico's young. young. D'Amico, how, you know, because D'Amico played football, in the NFL. Right? He played in the NFL a lot longer. D'Amico was 06. Like, D'Amico, like Kellen, immediately got into coaching when he was done playing. The difference is D'Amico like had Richard an 11-year year NFL career. Richard's into coaching now? Richard tweeted, he's looking forward to coaching. I don't think he's, I don't think he's on the playoff roster. Or this week, seriously? He's like, I'll be coaching. Uh, I'm excited to you know coach as much as I can. I think was what I just saw him tweet. <laughs> wow, didn't go how I wanted, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to strap it up again. Look forward to continuing this journey with my teammates and coaching my butt off. Thank you all for the support this season. Maybe uh, he, I maybe an injury just got announced with him is how that reads, right? Yeah, was, but anyway, was, I'm sorry I interrupted your point on D'Amico and. Kellen. It's just pr- it's just pretty wild those guys <clears throat> that those two guys are so young coordinators. Like if you just had to bet like 
$500, will they both get opportunities to be head coaches in their life? Obviously, Kellen's already been getting asked to be interviewed, but... I would is, bet, yes. Is D'Amico, bet is D'Amico five, that far away? I don't think he is. I think it's gone pretty well this year, especially given some of the issues at cornerback created by some of the personnel decisions the Niners made in the offseason. But I think we see some light at the end of the tunnel for that group. And he's going to coach for a coach that wins. Like the Niners are just in the playoff mix, right? What if he – see, this is a moment for D'Amico. You know where Kyle gets lucky is his defensive coordinator. If it was flipped, he would saw he would just lose guys faster. <laughs> like if he was a defensive coordinator yeah, and the, his offensive guys – but his defensive coordinator, because Kyle's the offensive guy, like co- teams don't really hire defensive coordinators to be your head coach. Well, the Broncos right might do it two years in a row, but you're right, and that's why you hire offensive coaches is because if you're worried about your quarterback. But would Dan Quinn be hired as a head coach if he hadn't previously been a head coach? To me, that makes him pretty valuable. Like if he had just bounced around as a defensive coordinator, I don't yeah, know maybe, if he would interview. Maybe. I think part of his value is like he he was a head coach of a team that made a Super Bowl. Guys, they are on their second chance, typically do better. I think that value he brings, I have head coaching experience. I think Todd Bowles falls under that too. And that's where I think it gets hard sometimes where people talk themselves out of a Brian Dayball, a Kellen Moore, like, ah, we don't really want to mess with a guy that's inexperienced. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it probably does help him, but I do think – But I also think part of it depends, like, you know, even if he didn't get a job this year – is the Cowboys going to make a playoff run? Are they, you know, how do you perform on big stages? Like the Niners went to the Super Bowl. So I think that's part of it, right, with Robert Sala. His defense was dominant. Is D'Amico Ryan's defense going to hold the Cowboys to 19 points on Sunday? You know what I mean? Like it is a moment where D- D'Amico can, I think we've been following him and we think it's going well, but it is a moment where he can kind of stamp himself as a candidate just with one game. Yeah, big time. I mean, because Robert Sala really kicked ass and took names in that Super Bowl run, right? And then he did, he did, I think he got one interview during that time and he became a star the following year when their team wasn't winning that many games, right? But remember, he interviewed with everybody. He was the, he was what felt like the number one candidate last year, didn't it? I mean, everyone wanted to interview Robert. Yeah, Sala. you're right. Cause didn't he do five interviews, turn down one or four interviews, turn yeah, down he, one? He was turning down interviews by, at that point in time. So, well, it's kind of like I think both those two guys a big moment for their careers, right? Hey, remember yeah. when D'Amico held the Cowboys at 18 points and the Niners won 30 to 18? Or hey, remember when Kellen Moore outscored Kyle Shanahan 35 to 30 and the Cowboys fucking beat the 49ers? Like yeah. this is kind of how how did Kyle Shanahan become a dude, dude with Matt Ryan in the Super Bowl run? Won the MVP and then he just carried it into the playoffs. Just kept scoring points. He scored well, if points you were interviewing, Belichick. if you were interviewing Kyle Shanahan after that Super Bowl, would the performance in the Super Bowl have been a hundred percent a negative, hundred percent a positive, or a percentage of the two? It'd be a percentage of the two, and the percentage would be more impressive that you scored all these points against Bill Belichick than it would be a negative that your team blew it, blew the game. Right? I think yeah. for me, I like to me watching that Super Bowl. I know you would rather win the game, but in terms of evaluating Kyle Shanahan, I think it told you more good things about Kyle Shanahan than it did bad things about him. Agreed. He was uh, John, we have three. Yeah. We have breaking news as we record this podcast on Tuesday. 
Bum, 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 bum. Have you seen it? Yes, I did. The Giants fired Joe Judge. Dun, 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 dun. As uh, Trey on the stream says, I had it first. I think Trey, yep. Had it first. It was first reported on our stream by somebody named Trey with a green symbol and a white T. The letter T. So another job is open. The Giants' job is open. Giants' job is pretty terrible. I mean, that team sucks. They fired They fired three coaches in six years. Actually, five, because McAdoo and then Sherman Shermer went two, and then this guy went two. So the Giants are in shambles. The problem for them is they're trying to convince people they don't fire coaches all the time. But they're constantly but to, firing coaches. I, I think it's a I think it's a hard balance. So we don't fire coaches all the time. But when you hire, keep hiring the wrong guys, what are you going to do? Well, exactly. So do you keep a coach just to prove that you don't fire coaches prematurely? Why do you keep hiring the wrong coach? Well, because I don't think you know who to hire. Do you think anyone knows who to hire? I think so. The Niners upgraded special teams coach, John. To uh, Joe Judge, I would hire Joe Judge as my special teams coach. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I is that where does that job rank? The Giants' job now on the coaching jobs available rank. It's it's the worst job. It's worse than the Jags' job. <clears throat> yeah, because the Jags have Trevor Lawrence. Could the Panthers trade Matt Rule to the Giants? Uh, potentially. So. Raiders, let's. I mean, technically, the Raiders have an interim coach, so I have no problem saying that job's open. Raiders, Broncos, Jags, Dolphins, Bears, Vikings, Giants. All these jobs are pretty shitty. Well, that's what happens, right? But but every once in a while, the Packers job becomes available. Every once in a while, it does. Yeah, the Cowboys job two years ago became available. They but for the most was- part, coaches. You know, that's what makes the Jags unique. It's what makes the Raiders unique. It's what might make the Bears unique if you like Justin Fields. Jobs with Joe Judge what? got fired for two fucking years. He turned out Mississippi Mississippi State was going to hire him, and then he ended up getting Mike Leach. He was going to be the head coach of Mississippi State. He'd still be at Mississippi State if he had just taken that job. You'd think. Uh, you would think. Um, you never know. Belichick had just had two guys get fired in twenty four hours. Gettleman retired. Well, yeah. <laughs> Why do, they, why do they like that guy so much? You know, it's like they refuse. Like, we're not going to fire Gettleman. We're going to let him retire. If you like somebody, you like somebody. It's not rational. If you like somebody, you like somebody, you know? They love Dave Gettleman. The Maras love Dave Gettleman. He's like, he means a lot to that family. So they have they have picks five and seven. Um, Russell Wilson once had them on his list. I think, right? Wasn't he on Russell? Weren't the but Giants wasn't it just Wilson? reported the other day that Russell's not going anywhere? I don't think he is. You uh, don't really have, there's not like, you know, if you had the first pick and it was the Trevor Lawrence draft, maybe you'd be a different animal, but I don't, what are you doing at five and seven? Could you take that job, use Why those picks, pick? acquire Jimmy Garoppolo, and um, who says no? Hey, we don't need five and seven. Just give us seven. (laughs) I don't think, like, to me, Harbaugh, I think the Raiders for Harbaugh, I think the Bears for Harbaugh. Dolphins already said they're not going to take Harbaugh from Michigan. 
You want to hear a John Mara quote? Yes. I said before the season started that I wanted to feel good about the direction we were headed when we played our last game of the season. Unfortunately, I cannot make that statement. Mm. Mm. So bye-bye. Bye-bye, Joey. Joe Judge is a disaster. His quotes, someone forwarded me, I guess he dropped an F-bomb in a press conference the last couple weeks, which I'm pro F-bombs, but as a football coach in the NFL, unless you're like after a terrible loss, you say like F the refs or F that guy. But I think his was more like making a point. Him, He went on some like uh, some rant about how guys wanted to, guys that signed with other teams wanted to get back with him and guys that were uh, impending free agents on his own team were telling him, I don't want to leave. Like he was just making it up. I wish I was there is what he said. Some people were texting him. I, it's hard to believe there, Joe. It's an insane thing to say. Would you guess Joe Judge is back with the with the New England Patriots next year? Well, I mean, historically, Bills guys don't come back. Josh McDaniel's did, but I don't. Did Cornell Weiss Mangini? Him and Mangini had a falling out over the over Spygate. Um, I mean, Flores isn't going to have. I think that once those guys leave, like I don't want to go back. Yeah, I. So now maybe now oh Patricia did good point Matt Patricia went back maybe maybe I mean feels like he likes that that guy for some reason the, the tough part about being a special teams coach right is when you're not the you don't become the defensive coordinator for somebody you no. got to you go back to being a special teams coach right like Jimmy Tom Sula wasn't the defensive coordinator who got to go he went back to coaching D line so that's probably what he's doing but may yeah maybe he goes back I don't I to me that job. You this is the beauty of the NFL. This is what makes the NFL different than college, right? Is your market doesn't really matter. Now you would you could argue, and as you have, and I think you're right. Like Jacksonville for Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh's bright lights guy doesn't feel like Jacksonville where he'd go, um, even though Urban did. But I do think when you look at these jobs, don't you start with you start with organization, you start with quarterback. It's weird because the Jags is a bad job, except you've got one of the best quarterbacks any of these jobs has. Like I saw a list that had the Vikings as the worst job. I, I don't see. I don't buy that. I mean, it's a stable organization. They do have a high standard, but it's earned. They win. Yes, you have Kirk, but it, life could be worse than having Kirk and For Justin sure. Jefferson and Adam Thielen. You know, like I think isn't you don't think the, the New York Giants job, would want Kirk Cousins? Would the the Vikings would want them. I think the if you if you told the Browns you could just flip flop. Kirk Cousins money's the same. Kirk Cousins and Baker. Heartbeat. Yeah. Like I think the Vikings job is better than the Bears job. I think it's better than the Dolphins job. I think it's it might be better than the Jags job. It's just the question is what do you think of Trevor Lawrence? The Jags job in itself is terrible. Trevor Lawrence is in theory. I could be understand good. taking it. Yeah. The Broncos. I mean. I don't know what General Patton's rep is, but good. Yeah, okay. So I think it's like pretty good. You just need to find a quarterback, which is, you know, the big, it's like, you know, if you just had a jump shot. Here's what I wonder though. Some of these places don't have general managers. The Bears, the Giants, the Vikings, Balky's somehow still employed, that are those general managers going to be hired first and they get to hire the coach? Is that how it's going to work? Yeah, or do you just hire – like, to me, if you're the Giants right now, here's what I would do if I were the Giants right now. 
Although maybe they don't want to do this. Brian because Fl- they just Brian Flores? Yeah, but they, you know, back-to-back Belichick guys. But but Brian Flores go- at least is proving he's the head coach. This guy was just he, I, I did see the play that he ran that uh, quarterback sneak on third nine. Even Aaron Rodgers on McAfee was like, I would have quit. Well, it's like, oh, we're creating some space for your punter. You guys are not about to make – you're not trying to tie to make the playoffs here. What about the formation? It looked like a high school play. What are you – if you want to sneak it on third nine, sneak it. I mean, that's stupid, but why do you have to tell everybody you're sneaking it with that fucking formation? You could argue that play was a fireable offense right there. Like that, that was a fireable offense. Lois attended Giant game. I think in the history of the franchise. Oh my like god! In the, in the modern day, so that that shit starts happening. That's that leads you to. We saw it here with Tom Sula. The moment you look up and half the stadium and and you got banners flying with the airplanes over your stadium, fire you or sell the team. That you heads usually roll, and not the owner's heads because he's not going to sell his cash cow. Is the Giants' job a bad head coach job, but a good GM job? Uh, their G- I mean, their team's got a long way to go, man. Yeah. I just wonder, you know, the there, most... I'd say any GM job in the NFL is a good GM job just because it, they, don't so you've become, got multiple, they don't become available. you got multiple GM jobs. you got Adam... Pe- somebody brought up Adam Peters on the stream. you got Adam Peters sitting there. It was Turd Ferguson that made the comment. you got Adam Peters sitting there. Like, the Niners, the person they're most likely to lose for a you know, a coordinator slash head coach slash GM job. He's probably of everyone they've got. He's probably the most likely guy that they could lose. Right. Well, I, I read Mike Sando wrote this thing on uh potential GM guys. And last year, the cycle, he said seven GMs were hired. Seems kind of crazy, but maybe that did happen because Denver, Houston, Carolina. Yeah. Maybe it was really high. Does that count? That, uh, that, all the guys that had gotten hired in last year's cycle had all interviewed previously, like General Patton, Casario, um, even Fitterer, the guy that Matt Rule ended up hiring. They were names in the cycle. No different than the, like the usually when Lions. these names. Uh, yeah, they, they had been. You're right. The Lions, the Falcons, there were a lot of GM jobs last year. And his point was like guys like Adam Peters, he's already interviewed for GM jobs. It just, it takes momentum. Unlike as a head coach, like you can just the first time your iron's hot, you can just strike, right? Like Kyle, boom, hot, hired, but boom, boom. You know, GM, it usually just takes a little time unless you just. Ballard was a guy that felt like he became a star fast, I, and he turned down some people. I was watching the Seinfeld episode where he dumps his girlfriend before she dumps him, and then they fall back in love, and then she ends up, you know dumping him because Elaine was the chick that had, had laughed at her recital. And uh, so the, you you have to kind of earn your reputation as a viable candidate. And I do think, I don't think it's crazy that Adam Peters, there are a lot of GM names, but is like at minimum in a final two of one of these GM jobs. If he wants one, now, I don't know. Does he, would he want the, I mean, he's a West coast guy. Denver and 49ers last two spots, even though he started in New England. But like a- any human being, I, hell, I started in Philly. I ended in Philly too. But it was just, you know, you just, sometimes you only have options when you're young. But as he's gotten older, like he specifically picks certain places. Like, does he want to go to, you're right, New York has two top 10 picks, but it's not viewed as a great draft. But don't so. you think sometimes what we view, 
I think the Bears have a terrible cap situation. The Vikings, they actually have some talent, but they're also going to need a little, you know, they're going to have some older players you're going to have to get rid of. Yeah. But don't you think sometimes you look at jobs from the perspective of when you take a job, it's because you think you can succeed at it, right? So, I, but sometimes I think in, in football, people take jobs because it's just it's hard to get jobs. That's true. That's true. A, but, a step uh, like a, the next level of wherever you're at, but but Adam Peters isn't in that position now. Now other people might be right. Like Kyle Shanahan wasn't in that position, and then he took a job that he told himself he wasn't going to take. But I do think that if if by the way if Peters gets a job, will, will does Ambry Thomas get all the credit? Um, I, I do think that if you take a job, by and large, you take it either you believe in it or you convince yourself that you believe in it. And I think part of what you have to think is if I pull this off, who's going to care? Like if you pull off the Jags, that's cool. If you pull off the Giants, like there's ego involved in all of this for everybody. If you pull off bringing the Giants back, then it's one of the great. I mean, it's it's legendary. Wouldn't you put the Bears too? I mean, if you, I would absolutely put the Bears in that. Last time I checked, they had a general manager do the baseball team. That was a pretty big. Now I understand they hadn't won since 1877 or whatever, but it, you just saw the power of that town, right? It's a big deal. So I would, I think you'd have to look at both. And the difference between the Bears and the Giants is, what if you like Justin Fields? And I'd say Adam Peters would specifically have a take, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Because the amount of time they spent on those guys last year. Yeah, it's true. Now. I think it's pretty clear that Adam Peters and the front office were big Trey Lance guys. So does that mean they were not big Justin Fields guys? Or like we had kind of surmised that it was really more Kyle wasn't a big Justin Fields guy. Because I do think the scouting community liked Justin Fields. He was 6'3", you, he could run, and he could throw. And But can't you also be like, if we said Adam Peters, truth serum, yeah, I love Trey Lance a lot more than Justin Fields. But did you like Justin Fields? Yeah, I like Justin Fields too. I mean, can't that be the answer? Potentially, yeah. But there's a difference. Between, I liked him, but now you're stuck. You're like, can you make – he's got a rookie co- contract. Can you build a, a playoff team around him? Can you go to the playoffs with him? Yeah. Can you go to can the playoffs Mike McDaniels coach him up? Because ultimately, as a GM, it's like, are you going to go to the playoffs? Like, are you going to compete to go to the playoffs? Because if you're not competing to go to the playoffs, you're going to get fired. Is I mean, that's kind of what the NFL is now, right? Can you build a playoff team within a couple of years? Yeah. And and wouldn't you look at the NFC East and go, eh, I wouldn't call that division easy. Like, I think Washington's a tough out. Philly clearly is a tough, I mean, more than a tough out. They're solid. Philly's got three first-round picks this year. Wow. Now, they're not great because theirs is a playoff pick. They have the Dolphins who went 9-8, and eight, and they have the Colts who also went 9-8. and eight. But they get three picks in the teens. John, let's tell the people about Sleep Number. Oh, sleepnumber.com slash ham. Right now, go there to discover special offers for a limited time at sleepnumber.com slash ham or at your local Sleep Number store. Whether you're a firm sleeper like me, like my sleep number is around a 60, whether you like things a little more pillowy, couch, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, cloud soft, like middle cough is around a 30. Sleep Number's got something for everybody. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. Yep. Make sleep your number one goal. I know I, after we're done with this, I'm going to go to sleep. I can't wait. 
Uh, quality sleep is important for overall health, performance, and mental well-being. Eating healthy, weight loss, and exercise are also helped with quality sleep. Uh, you know, limit cocktails, guy. Find ways to combat stress. Get outdoors. Get some sun. Work out. Eat smaller meals. Uh, love our friends at Sleep Number. I've actually, it's been good the last few nights, and I have to consciously think about this, portion control at dinner. Like, do I need more? Let me just sit here for five minutes, see what my stomach tells me. And my stomach says, no, you can stop now, but get some chips later. That's not the move. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. This is the way. You make yourself better at everything else because it's true. You make better decisions, like John said, about how, about the food you eat. You make more patient decisions in your life. And the more I do think it's about people debate in sports momentum, like is momentum real? I do think momentum's real in personal decision making. Like the more you get yourself to work out, the better decisions you make when it comes to food. Because you just worked out. You don't want to let yourself down. Yeah. I, I find that for me. I I don't know. But sleep numbers here to be a mate. Sleep is such a major factor in all of this. So, for example, the sleep number 360 smart bed shows you your ideal schedule, best times for activities like working out, winding down based on your circadian rhythm. Discover special offers now for a limited time at your local sleep number store or sleepnumber.com slash ham sleep number. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. This goes hand-in-hand hand with our friends at BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com slash HamPod for 10% off online therapy. Check them out at BetterHelp.com slash HamPod. The best way to think about therapy is you improve your sleep. You eat better. You maybe limit yourself to four cigarettes a day. However you like to dial back, maybe you used to have eight and four is actually improvement. Whatever you do to take care of yourself, work out the mind. The mind controls everything else. Everything else you do, it starts with your mind. So invest in your mind. You might be invested in your work. You might be invested in the stock market. You might be deep in crypto. All good. Invest in your mind. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers a multiple ways to improve yourself, right? And to get the therapy that we all could use. Video, they can do that. Phone, you can do that. You want to do a live chat session because you don't want your camera on and you just want to talk to your therapist via a text or a chat. You can do that. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. So here's what you do. You go to betterhelp.com slash hampod. That's betterhelp.com slash hampod. To get 10% off your first month, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash ham pod. Betterhelp.com slash ham pod. You're back in. We tap, we tap middle well, cough back in. I was reading it and I was a little off. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I just, I could tell, I almost, I should have said it to you. You just needed, you needed 30 seconds off. I mean. I was, thro I was thrown off. Well, it's just your voice is is uh killing you right now well so i understand i, I want to party totally with middle cough this is not about party this is not i'm not hung over or anything i got sick now it might have led there because i didn't sleep much the saturday sunday stretch and then whenever i have to i know you've done this before when you gotta fly out somewhere between six and seven and you're working the night before you know you, you go on three or four night three or four hours sleep and i was already on probably five or six hours sleep the night before and my immune system, when I don't sleep much, especially in the hotel bed, it just goes from being like, uh, you know, like the 49ers defense 
which is still, I wouldn't say I have an elite immune system, but it's solid. It, it can win me games to go be Brandon Staley, worst defense in the league. And I think my immune system just goes down, and then I get a sore throat, and then I got, I think I got the flu. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? But it's not that bad, but it's definitely, you know, I'm way thrown off to how I normally feel. And like you said, with eating portion control, the one thing, I haven't been that hungry, so I feel like I haven't worked out in like three or four days, but I feel like I'm losing weight because I haven't really yeah. eaten, which is yeah, awesome. It's the, the upside. Um, I do think a, a, a like pre-7 a.m. or like a 7 a.m. flight, because a 7 a.m. flight might mean – you know, rolling out at even if you're cutting it close, five fifteen uh, out of yeah. the hotel bed, right? And um, and so that's rough. I mean, you sound I like had, you, I had to go thirty minutes from where my hotel was just to get see. to Burbank. So it's like I I didn't want to risk it. I hadn't been there in a while. I didn't know. Now I could have easily got there at six forty and been fine. It was so easy to get through. But um, but yeah, I mean, it just I and I knew it. You know. Now, I didn't think – I thought I'd just sleep it off the next day. I didn't realize I'd get sick, which sucks. Yeah. Omarion. Um, uh, you like Stetson Bennett? Did you see Stetson Bennett on Good Morning America? Incredible. <laughs> I mean, he had – he wasn't a great interview when right after the game. He's like, I'm speechless. I'm too stupid to find the words. I don't know. Drunk or hungover and sleepless – was on Good Morning America, and Strahan knows. Like, Strahan knows exactly what he's going through. It's a good thing Strahan was there on the clip I saw because he gets it. But um, he didn't have much, John, but he gave what he could. It was a hell, it was quite an interview. His eyes couldn't stay open. He looked like Ugga. I give that little guy something. He threw a touchdown pass on a deep bomb yesterday that I didn't know he had in the bag. It was like a 40-yard, beautiful ball in the air. That's when I knew our bet wasn't going to hit. And we were in major trouble. Did you that think was, he had that throw in the bag? No, that was right after I tweeted, are we sure JT Daniels is not the better option right now? Which was a J- stupid tweet. Like, JT Daniels still on the team? Yeah, you know, people should be giving him credit for sticking it out. Um, yeah, he's still on the team. Which you get to you win know, a national championship. Kirby Smart, I think, probably knows his group. And he was right about his quarterback. He was right about his quarterback. How about how about uh, N'Kobe Dean? I mean, those dudes were flying all over the place. How about getting your moment to win the national championship and then somebody hands you the wrong hat with the Alabama logo on it? What I'd love to know, and I'd love to ask Kirby or maybe like whoever's in charge of the equipment guy, why does their front seven on defense all wear weird numbers? Why can't one guy just have a normal number? I mean, they had a defensive tackle that wore 88. They had, their linebackers were like 17, 7. I mean, they're, they're, it was hard to keep up. With the numbers, like at least 99, I think Jordan Davis is his name. Yeah. It's just a D tackle, 99. Like, okay. That's just, that's what I mean, it's like, so That guy's like 6'8", six, 6'6", six, 360. Guy's fucking huge. They were, every guy in that game was massive except the two quarterbacks who were tiny. I mean, Setson Bennett looks like a, a, just a helmet on a body. I mean, that's, it was just, it was just well, a, Who do you think's bigger, Stetson Bennett or Bryce Young? To me, I, I, television looks like Bryce Young, but not that much bigger. Not that much bigger, but he at least looks. Stetson he, Bennett looks really small. I saw someone tweeted last night: "Is Georgia the first team to have a defense where their linebackers are faster than their cornerbacks?" I was like, "Yeah." I mean, kind of making fun of it. Like, how are there a couple times Bryce scrambled out where I think he's used to like I can buy a little more time, and it was seventeen or seven. We're like or forty-one. No, you ain't fucking going anywhere. And like, woof. I was like, holy shit. You know what I think it is? Because I saw somebody tweet like. 
why do and why do college players look faster than NFL players? And someone's like, well, it's because the college players, there's some accountants on the field with these college players. Not in that game, though. But in that, I think what it is is particularly with defensive guys, like they're coached by Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. These guys know what they're supposed to do on every play. Alabama's defense looked damn good until the end of the game, too. Yeah, you know. just sometimes you get. I think to me, well, I mean, look that game. The fact that game was whatever it was, sixteen thirteen, like. Alabama and Georgia's defenses have relied on offenses scoring a lot of points for a few years now. Like these days of 16 to 13 football games have been long gone. So the fact that Alabama gave up, what, what was the final score? 35, whatever they gave up. Yeah. Like 33 to 18. Cause a guy got the pick six. Yeah, like if you told me at the be, if you told me before the game, Georgia scores 33, I'd be like, okay, Alabama still might win that game. Like the problem wasn't Alabama's defense, but it was it was like nineteen eighteen middle yeah. of the fourth quarter, and it felt like the God, this is sweet. I mean, they got a pick six at the end of the game, so that skews it, right? On a desperate the, throw. How about the one guy leading the charge with a Dean or whoever picked it off? I guess it would have been a DB, and one of Bama's like running backs kind of came over. They collide. You see the collision as the dude walks in the end zone. I mean, it was just like, are those guys alive? There were some hits in that game that were just outrageous. There was a play of Bama, like defensive lineman slash outside linebacker, tossed an t- offensive lineman and sacked the quarterback or got like a TFL. And Herbie was like, how about that true freshman? You're like, what? <laughs> Who are these humans? Will Anderson, 31, who's the best player in the game, is a true sophomore, true sophomore. Like these guys, all those Georgia guys, even if they're draft eligible, are not like redshirt seniors. You know, it's like they are twenty and twenty-one year old true juniors. Well, Alabama returns the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and the number one pick probably in next year's draft. Will Anderson? I, I if if I was Will Anderson's advisor or accountant, and I, he won't because Alabama's never had a guy opt out in any bowl game for any reason ever. Like that's just that's not the culture of that program because I do think Saban's good about like this is all working toward the end goal like Calipari like to make you money, even though the Bama guys don't talk about money, at least publicly. If you're Will Anderson, look at like he is he's viewed ten times better than Micah Parsons and Micah Parsons went twelve, so Will Anderson to me is a lock, non quarterback to be a top five pick in two thousand. 23 what can he he's a multiple time all-american he won a natty lost in another natty like what now you get better at anything by doing it but i do wonder like what he has a lot of risks next year especially when you look up in the offensive and defensive player rookies of the year in the nfl are gonna be guys who didn't play in 2020 and i i tweeted something like you should be able to didn't play in 2020 but but here's my thing with that, because I tweeted like Will Anderson, a guy like him should be able to take out some waiver if you're a locked top 10 pick to go like the NFL does not want sophomores to declare for the draft. Obviously, legally, they can't, but like they wouldn't want any part of that because most guys aren't ready, but sometimes they are. And Kirk Morrison, this was a couple weeks ago. This was during the SEC championship game. Kirk Morrison's like, yeah, he should opt out like the other guys. I'm like, well, the reason those other guys opted out Micah Parsons and Panay Sewell, would those guys have opted out if COVID never existed? They would have played, right? Yeah, they would have played. Jamar Chase might have knew something was up. Jamar Chase might have opted out. Because like you told me when we talked about this, the SEC played football. 
But Panay Sewell wanted to play, and it came down to the end when he didn't think the Pac-12 was going to play football. And in the end, they only played, you know, it was better for him. They played six games. And wasn't the Big Ten the same thing? Remember? Yeah. 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 So, uh, but I I do think if you're Will Anderson. You just want to start making money now. Like, why do I have to wait? Why do I have to opt out? And wait a year to play football. Why don't I just start my? I want to start my rookie. I want to get my rookie contract now. Then I hit free agency a year earlier. What do you By the way, a, if you're a what team, do you think about a waiver for a non-junior who if votes you're locked on, her fr- first round pick? Who who uh you who votes on that? Who approves that waiver? I think you'd have to you'd have to get like a legit poll of all 32 NFL GMs. This guy going to be a first round pick, right? Like because Will Anderson, what, Will thing, Anderson would be 32 to nothing. One thing you would need if, like, you're the GM who's drafting 10. You're like, I, I, have, I haven't I haven't thought this out. I don't know if that's even – is that a right way to do it? Wouldn't some guys lie? I don't well, know. That's what I was about to say. If you're a GM drafting 10th, but you think your team's going to be worse and you might be able to get Will Anderson the next year, would you vote against it? Because you know you're not getting him at 10. But as you see with Joe Judge, Gettleman, Spielman, you got pace. You guys lose their jobs now faster True. than ever. <laughs> I'm just saying I'd vote against it if I knew I couldn't get him this year, but maybe I could get him next year. Yeah, so like, like Kevin Colbert. He's just going to be voting in something that he's never going to have access to some of these guys, right? Yeah. So he won't even vote. It'd be like he'd have somebody else do it, right? You, you would need some panel. So maybe the Jim panel is the guys drafting in the top 10. But again, I think those are, if I'm drafting eight, I'm voting no. He's not getting to me. God, you're fucked up. I'm just thinking, is that not how, maybe GMs wouldn't do it that way. I don't know. You think your team's going to be shittier the following year? Well, I know we're not good enough. All I know is we're not good enough right now to get him. So you don't think he should come out? Oh, I I, I love the idea of no, him I don't. having No, I, I just mean if you're the GM, I think they would. But you're right. I, who knows? Maybe no, I don't. Know. I don't. I, I'm just saying if I'm if I were to nitpick that, might, well, your idea right there might be the best option to have a group of GMs. Maybe it rotates. Maybe it's not ever. Maybe it's as simple as like it's not 32 and it's not the top 10. Just every two years it rotates. Ten, 10 different guys are on this panel. They don't get to choose. It's like random. Or even if it's like it's like multiple divisions and then it just rotates through the divisions, right? So it's not based on who's drafting where. It's just The it's senior bowl the, coaching staffs? Well, you actually see what Jim Nagy did with the senior bowl coaching staff? No, what did he do? I just saw someone like uh, took this clip out of an article is that the head coaches, so let's just say, I don't even know it's, who this year. It'd be the it's Lions. Sala and, the, and Dan Campbell that the head coaches are not going to be the guys coaching the team because they're going to try to give the assistant coaches more of an opportunity to be the head coach. They're going to be more roving CEOs. Which actually makes a lot of sense. What's a good it, Part of it is like to help guys create opportunities. Like your wide receiver coach gets to be the head coach slash yeah. offensive coordinator. That's interesting. It makes the game a little more interesting. I think if I'm a head coach, I'm the one making the personnel decisions more than any of my coordinator. So doesn't it make sense for me to be able to watch all of the players to observe a little bit more? Remember what the Senior Bowl led the 49ers to get? What? Debo Samuel. Oh, yeah. Wasn't he on their team when they coached the Senior Bowl? <laughs> or He might have been on the opposing team, but I just remember the Senior Bowl, Debo Samuel, was a big reason once they talked about after the draft, their interactions with him and being around the guy. That thing has worked out pretty well. Maybe you just make the Will Anderson thing as just one person. Just like... Mike Mayock, he's in charge of approvals and denials. You know, just one judge. Yeah, I guess the more people involved, the more opportunities it has to go one way or the other, where you just want this thing to be black and white. You can just appeal it. And it's like Will Anderson. Like, there's no, I don't know if there's such thing as a too. He's too easy. But that's what this is for, is for extreme examples. 
What about like a Najee Harris type? So like a fringe. Yeah, that'd be a little tougher, I think. Because now all of a sudden you've got a lot of guys. Because I think one thing, too, is I don't know how much it matters to the NFL. College, the NCAA has got enough. They do not want that to start, right? Or like leaving. now even the Najee Harris. Like, wait, everyone, like all these guys are leaving? The 41st pick's leaving early? Because why wouldn't you? Why well, wouldn't you leave early? Well, any of those Georgia guys that weren't eligible, they're like, well, I want to put my name in. Right. Why? Why? Three years of football in a sport where your career might be. How, D'Amico. Well, how old what was D'Amico? How old was he when he retired from the game? Uh, 17. After, he's 37 now. So, for, yeah, you know, 33. So that was a Kill. really good career. And he had a devastating Achilles injury, you know, toward the end. That he was never yeah, he's quite a, the same. He might be a bad example. He had a fantastic NFL career, right? I mean, he was a defense. Yeah, I think he was rookie of the defense. Rookie I just meant in terms of length, but you're right. He was the defense. The he was the rookie of the year, all in all pro. Was D'Amico a first round pick? No, he's like the. F- he was the second. He was the second pick in the second round, which I kind of like that little sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, Debo's the D'Amico's, Derek Carr, but, and, and teams don't. You don't want too many guys coming in too early, right? You want a third year physical develop, more time to see a guy. You're about to pay him a lot of money. So I don't think you you want too much of that. I wasn't I'm not trying to be cynical or negative Nancy here, but I do think part of the reason Nick did that, probably less with Bryce, because I mean a quarterback, you're not really that worried. And and I think he would be like, Bryce, you're never gonna get as hit as hard as you just did in that game, I'll promise you. <laughs> All those guys are going pro, but it was kind of like Will. I like Will. I'm, I got your back, bro. I got your back. Yeah, because there are going to be some people telling Will Anderson like, "You do not need to play next year." Look, uh, I, I think, think playing I, for- I, I, I will not be shocked if if it comes up in the next couple months. Boys, you mean the conversation Cause he, or because he can train with them all off season? That'd be one pretty easy one, right? He can just keep lifting with them. It's not like stay at school. Maybe he's got a girlfriend there. But I mean, once, I think like training camp. Nick I also think Saban meant what he said. I do too. Yeah. I, I and I think part of it is Will Anderson was probably one of the better players Nick Saban has ever had. <laughs> that guy is a force, and his quarterback—he's had multiple first-round quarterbacks the last couple of years, and that kid's better. You see, right? I think he's—he values those two guys. His two best players were fucking dominant. <laughs> I mean, he's got the number one overall player in the draft, if he could, and he had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Yeah. I actually think Nick, you know, handles losing. Someone told me this a long time ago. He handles losing a lot better than he handles winning. He well, was he in a was great place yesterday. I think, very, he was happy. I, I think he was very happy for Kirby. Part of it was Kirby. I think a lot of it was Kirby. He was really happy for Kirby after the game in their handshake. I think fair and square, they just they had some injuries, and they just got overwhelmed. They lost. Yep. I think it was easier to be for him not to be too mad by the end of the game because they got they got kind of curb stomped. No, John Mitchie. Then Jamison Williams gets hurt, and then in the end, Georgia I mean, why, looked like the better team. This is why receivers couldn't catch a cold. It was not the receiver group we're used to seeing from them. No, Devontae Smith and uh, Jerry Judy ain't walking. If the, if Alabama just has a normal wide receiver group, do they win that game? I think so. What they're what they're used to having the last couple so. years. I thought they left a lot on the table with their receivers. Um, can we talk about this real quick before before you uh, before we Middlecuff goes and goes to the sleep number? 
Uh, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. I just want to get it in because there's so much coach opening stuff right now. I think what Rich Bisaccia has done this year is incredible. And I think he deserves a ton of credit. And I think he deserves legitimate consideration to be the Raiders' next head coach. And I, that's obviously not a unique take. I would be careful. I would always be careful in situations where I'm not going to say you are hiring emotionally, but where you're kind of in the moment, in the glow of your recent love. Singletary? To, to not, yeah. Singletary, really a lot of interim coaches. And sometimes you you – Sometimes what happens to you by accident is better than whatever you could manipulate for yourself. And maybe this is one of those situations. But there are some really good coaching candidates out there right now, from Brian Flores to Doug Peterson to Jim Harbaugh potentially for the Raiders. And I would I would, I would make sure I'm doing my full due diligence or to whatever extent Mark Davis does before I hired Rick Passaccia. I would not just go, this is awesome. We're a hiring coach. He's staying, everybody, and the locker room would love it, and everyone would love it. It'd be a cool moment. But I'd make damn sure he's the best coach you can get and that he's better for you than Doug Peterson. He's better for you than Brian Flores. He's better for you than whoever else, and that he's better for you than Jim Harbaugh before I do that. And I don't know that there is I, – I, I don't – I don't know. I, I'm hard-pressed finding a situation where, where he could win – like if he wins the Super Bowl, I guess you just got to give him the job, right? Yeah. Without doing any due diligence. If he takes you to the AFC Championship game, do you just give him the job? That's what I'm kind of grappling with right now is if you feel the way I feel, is there anything he can do that you just you just go, you know what, screw it. I'm just giving it to you. Because there is a point where you go, you know what, maybe I don't fully understand what's happening here. For him to take that team to the AFC Championship game, who cares if I think Jim Harbaugh is the better coach? He just went to the AFC championship game and I got to give him the job. I don't, I don't, that's, that's what I'm struggling with right now. If I were in Mark Davis's shoes, I do think if Jim Harbaugh wants the job and you know, I think you've heard some things, butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast or steak tips in every order for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer, when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. Butcherbox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app. Because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats, and then the fun is on. Prize Picks has something for every sports fan from basketball to hockey to League of Legends and everything in between. It's really simple to play. You make your picks, submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. I'll do it at halftime of a basketball game, and I also have some season long 
more or less picks on MLB homers. You may remember, I've got less on Otani homers this year. We'll see. And at halftime of your next NBA blowout game, just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. He's getting the job. It's it's like the John Gruden thing. It's just going to happen. And I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, I'm still, I go back and forth. Like, do I believe that's going to happen? I'm kind of rooting for it. I mean, Jim has his defensive coordinator out there. Couldn't he just get the band back together? Jim, Vic Fangio, let's rock and roll. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think Mark Davis. I do not expect Mark Davis to hire Keep Rich. So what would it take? No, I, I also like, don't. I don't expect him to hire like uh, Kellen Moore or Brian Dayball. Like, in what world would you think that those guys would be better than what you have? No, no, no. I, to me, if Jim Harbaugh weren't out there, it's more Flores, Doug Peterson. There are guys that have just been head coaches that I yeah. think. But it's like. If 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 specifically Jim Harbaugh wasn't out there, I think he'd hire Rich Passaccia. I think I go back to what I always say: he's the circle is small. He stays in the circle historically, with uh, just organizationally, it's a lot of promoting from within, which can be a very good thing. But John Madden, big Harbaugh fan, surely him and Mark Davis talked about him over the years. Mark wanted to hire him, maybe right the last time Jim was available. Maybe they got down that road. I think if the Raiders had lost this last week and they weren't in the playoffs, I think Jim might be the coach by tomorrow. Charles Woodson also in the circle. I don't know what I I don't. There's probably some Charles Woodson, Jim Harbaugh quotes out there. I don't know what they are, but you know who are, who is in Mark Davis's circle? Marcel Reese. Marcel Reese. Yes, he is. I would imagine him and Marcel Reese talked about it the last time around. Probably has some favorable things to say. Ron Wolf. Ron Wolf still alive? I, I, that's why I said it with a question mark. Uh, 
Yes, he is. Okay. So, but surely over the years they've talked about. It. I mean, Ron Wolf scouted Jim Harbaugh. Eighty-three, Ron Wolf. Okay, but the the circle's not big. So Jim Harbaugh is in Mark Davis's. Not he's he's not in the circle, but he is in the atmosphere for Mark. Do you, do you know what year Ron Wolf started as a scout for the uh, Al Davis and the Oakland Raiders? Nineteen seventy-two. Nineteen sixty-three. Woo! <laughs> wow. 1963. What year did Madden retire from playing? Well, he just, I think he just, after Cal Poly, I think he was an undrafted free agent with the Eagles, and like Chuck Ben York or a guy like that. And he got hurt in like training camp and never, never made it far. So then but he I just mean right like into coaching. So like 19. But my question 19, is, did Ron Wolf scout John Madden the player is what I'm getting at? No, Madden graduated Cal Poly 58. So his last year playing would have been like 58, 59. Okay. You know you're old if you scouted John Madden the player coming out of Cal Poly. Yeah, I mean, you said 63? 63, yeah. So, uh, does that mean like there were some players he liked that like went to war? Like Vietnam? Yeah. Surely. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Like, man, he could have been a good player, but. Or, hey, when this guy gets back, if he makes it back, let's keep an eye on him, see how he's doing. And I'm not trying to be funny. I I just saw someone made the, someone made the comment in the stream. HR said in 63 pops went to Nam. I think enough time has passed that you you can make a subtle joke. I, it's not even a joke. I mean, I'm just uh, I'm just blown away. I mean, that's wild. The amount of football that he's seen, a lot. Imagine, I would love to see Ron Wolf when when Brandon Staley went for it on fourth and uh, one from his own uh, 18 yard line, down by three in the third quarter. I think a lot. What would you imagine the most reaction around the league? I don't. I don't think. I don't think Brandon Staley is well liked with coaches. So, John, there was – who's the guy who's on the uh, Washington football team? Scott Turner? Oh, yeah. Well, I saw something on Twitter. He kept changing his profile pic or something. So, somebody DM'd me the other day and was like, you should look into Scott Turner. He changed his Norv's Twitter kid. photo. Oh, is that his Norv's kid? I think so, yeah. He changed his Twitter photo to a Raiders-like shirt. That means Harbaugh was supposed to come because he's Harbaugh's guy. He was at Michigan with Harbaugh. Scott Turner was? Yeah. So I go to Scott Turner's Twitter page, and obviously it's changed back. It's football team. But his last tweet was something that was clearly, I thought, anti-Brandon Staley. I don't know if it's still up. Let me see. Are you on his Twitter page right now? No, I went to his Wikipedia. He was with – he was spent a year with at offensive analyst at Michigan. Yeah, so – uh, here you go. Let me throw this up here. So January 9th, what time did that game? Doubt. Yeah, there's no question in my mind what Scott Turner was tweeting about here. Scott Turner at 9.18 p.m. Yeah, tweeted, that would have been, yeah. Look what he tweeted. Guru ball. He's talking shit about Staley right there. Because yeah, he thinks right. he knows everything. So I get so my thought so what I said what I DM the person back was well is it possible he changed to a Raiders shirt photo just as like a fuck yeah like he took the Raiders just took down Mr. Mr. Guru Ball 
Maybe, but he's never coached for the Raiders, just as like a pro, pro or an anti Brendan Staley. But that, yeah, good point. That would mean so he had to Photoshop himself in a Raiders hat and shirt. Who did that for him? He's thirty nine years old. You think he could know how to? Fo- I don't know how to Photoshop. Somebody in the office, one of Harbaugh's guys. Maybe you do. I don't know. Feels like a lot of work. Guru ball. Do you think he, when they say a Harbaugh guy? 2017 offensive analyst is the only year he's ever been around Jim Harbaugh. Well, I think their point was he's coming with Jim. He know just look, he knows him. He did a you're just putting the internet theories together. Put his put put the Raiders thing on, knows Jim. He must be coming with Jim. That's where people are freaking out. Yeah. Because I saw a bunch of people on the internet. I was like, I don't understand. He's just wearing a Raider polo. Accidentally update? Are you Raider like just seeing what it looks like, and then you accidentally hit change, and someone's like, "I'm watching Scott Turner's Twitter page. I just saw it." Ron Rivera has multiple that coaches happened. that are pretty active on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I'd hire Jim too. I still at this point think it's happening. Still got to get by Kansas City right before you uh, get to the Super Bowl. So uh, a lot would have to happen there for for Rich. But I think Rich is, I think he's earned a legitimate. A legitimate consideration, without question. But I, I would not hire if if they lose this week and Jim Harbaugh is available. The, what happens if they win this week? It's the other thing, like, are people, you know, coaches start going off the table. The longer you have to wait, I think you got a, another ten days. I don't think we'll have a hire for another ten days. But what I'm saying is, yeah, ten days is next. So if you win and if you win in the first round of the playoffs, only people one are getting for, hired only, during. But only one franchise is really ready to hire a coach because these other teams don't even have GMs. That's true. I think they got a lot. Like, do you think the Minnesota Vikings, Chicago Bears right now know what they want to do? Like, they just kind of try to interview people and no. figure out as they go. Like, I don't no, think. I don't think they know. What they and this was my thing on like, if Mark Davis wants to hire Jim Harbaugh, remember how he got in trouble last time with Gruden the Rooney. I do. Rule thing? They actually made the 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 Rooney rules a little stronger because of Mark. And Mark but, said at the time, like, you guys are crazy. I hire I. Look at my look at my G. Look at Reggie. I hired Jim Reggie McKenzie. What are you guys talking about? But do you agree that if you want to hire Jim Harbaugh, you shouldn't have to interview anyone else? I think if he wants to hire Jim Harbaugh, he's just gonna hire Jim Harbaugh. But no. I think the league is gonna give him well, a hard no, time. No, no, well, he's gonna he'll do some fake interviews. But think how stupid that is. Yeah, I don't think any. I don't. Does anybody want to be fake interviewed? Uh, you want well, the experience? <laughs> well, most teams are not hiring Jim Harbaugh. So you think, well, fuck, if I just get in front, I have a shot, right? That's Mike right. Tomlin style. Right. I, I did not ask that question properly. Would anybody want a fake interview if they if everyone knew they were hiring Jim Harbaugh? No, it's so stupid. Remember last time they hired they interviewed T. Martin, who was a wide receiver coach at the time at USC. It's like, we really have to do After this? the fact. It was after they started getting a little heat, they interviewed T, right? Oh, because the rumors were Gruden was coming. I thought, I thought it kind of happened like as a throw-in late that they interviewed T. Yeah, I think that I think you're right. So now, what are the rules? You got to interview multiple Rooney Rule candidates. Yeah, they. I don't remember how they changed because it's like the rules again are still kind of complicated. Didn't mark it fine. I think you have maybe you have to. I think one of the rules is you have to you have to interview a, like a sitting coordinator, maybe because T. Martin was not. What was T. Martin's role? You can't. Yeah, wide receiver coach USC. Wide receiver, and then I think one of them is you can't. Um, interview somebody from your own team and have that count as a Rooney Rule interview, which is I think a lot of teams did, and it's kind of bullshit over the years. Just but take I'm a minority, not, make it take a minority candidate from their own staff, especially. And here's what happens a lot 
when I fire Joe Judge, like if I was John Mara and I wanted to cook the books on the Rooney Rule, I would just hire one of his staff members, you know, who's a, my, who's a black guy, and that would count as my Rooney Rule. Which is like, you just fired the head coach. You're going to fire all these guys. <laughs> but you just get it out of the way. That's where I think, and to me, that like that, you shouldn't be allowed to do that because I don't think the Giants know who they're going to hire. But my issue is there should be a little like Will Anderson. There should be some waiver if this guy is good enough, right? If I'm going to hire, if Sean Payton gets fired and I'm going to hire him, I don't need to interview anyone else. If I'm going to hire Mike Tomlin, I, and he's a bad example because he would count under it, but he does. I don't need to interview another soul. <laughs> you know, back in the day with Parcells when he was moving to different teams, like if I want to hire Bill Parcells. I don't need to interview anyone else. He's just so stupid in basketball, like the Pat Rileys, the Phil Jacksons, the Rick Carlisles. I, get I think it. I the think Ryan with the Dayballs rule, yeah. and everything. To me, sure. it's just like you say to the league, league. I'm not doing a. I'm not interview. Like if you hire two people now, it, if you only hire, I'm sorry. If you interview one person, then that's the person you hire. Then nobody says anything. But if you hire. I keep using the wrong word. If you interview more than one person, now you open yourself up to the full process. Maybe something like that. Is that kind of what you're saying? I, I'm just saying there should be a level of, of candidate. The Harbaugh's clearly in. Uh, no one else. But I don't know how you it. measure that other than did you just hire one person and do no interviews? That's, yeah, to me, yeah, how I you did. measure and that. And his name was Jim fucking Harbaugh. Right. <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying. Though. If you did interviews, now, hold on, you're part of this process. But if you just hired somebody quote-unquote, sight unseen, like it's not an interview. You're just hiring the first person you talk to? Well, and, and that, but that's what I'm saying. Harbaugh, even Gruden, it didn't work out, I think, as we all thought it was going to go. But at the time when they hired him, like, you shouldn't – why you have to – if he wants to hire John Gruden and John Gruden wants the job, like, it's done. <laughs> there are certain candidates in any life, in any world, right, in any industry, where it's like, if this guy wants a job, I'm going to offer him the job. <laughs> he, the job's yours. Yeah. Happens in other businesses. Like at hey, the, the end of the day, it's a minor, you know, like it's Mark. Mark already once flouted the rule and then claimed the rule shouldn't apply to him because the Raiders have a long history of diversity. Kind of. Agree and he had and he had Reggie McKenzie as his GM. I agree with him in the fact that the John Gruden, you shouldn't have to interview anyone else. If John, I, a yell, I, I do agree. But I also the idea that like, no, 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 we've done our we've done our work before. Like this rule shouldn't apply to us. It's kind of a weird answer. Maybe if the coach has won a Super Bowl that you're going to hire, Harbaugh wouldn't fall under that. But you don't have to interview anyone else if he wants. If to you all, if you can prove you already interviewed him once before, and you almost hired him once before, so you think Jim anyway, Harbaugh is going to be the next coach of the Raiders? I, I kind of do. I do. Uh, yes. I if you said who, make a pie get, chart. Yeah, you just think it's like January 20th it's going to get announced that Jim Harbaugh's Well, where's his Michigan extension, John, that he was leveraging for? Has that been signed yet? I thought he was under I mean, technically he's under one, right? Isn't but remember the story the story comes out he could be a Raider and it's like, well, he's just using this to get more money from Michigan. It's like, okay, well, that's been a week. Where, where's the contract? Has he signed the new contract? If he signs the new contract, he hasn't there's been no like Harbaugh's negotiating with Michigan. I haven't heard I haven't read that one. Maybe it's out there somewhere. I think he's waiting on the Raiders. I think was, Mark is telling him, just wait. What's Chip waiting on? His buyout expires this weekend. It goes to $0. So Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy Sexton's not in the discounts, and maybe UCLA wants a slight discount. Well, so a buyout, you mean, if so if they fired him, they don't have to pay him a penny? Right. Even next year, they don't have to pay him? Well, there's only one year left on his contract. 
So you just pay him $5 million to go away? No, you just fire him. There's no buyout. So you still own for the following year? No. You own nothing? Zero. That's the buy- the buyout goes to zero. It was like $12 million. Right now it's $12 million. He's Nine just, or 12. He's just zero. So it's clearly that he's going to get fired in three or four days. Well, no, I don't. I'm not saying that. I think they are negotiating from what I've read on an to extension, what? but I think it's hard because they don't want to give him a five year extension for twenty six million dollars. Right. So you, but they also, expe- you, can't, you don't expect Chip Kelly to get fired. I don't know what to expect, but I, I to me, everything I've kind of just read and heard, like they did have a pretty good year relative to what they'd done before. Yeah. I think what they want to do is like kind of a fake extension. We're not going to sign yet for six more years, but how are we going to go hire a coach right now? It's January 11th. And their yeah. leverage is like, we can fire you for nothing. And he's like, okay. He's kind of, I think maybe probably calling their bluff a little bit. Like, who are you going to go hire? It's middle of January. Sign The next, the second, the first signing day is old, gone. The second signing day is like two weeks away. And again, I, from everything I've kind of heard, like I do think Chip and the um, AD Martin Jarman have a, seems like a positive relationship. But he didn't hire him. I saw on the ESPN ticker, it's the highest ranked USC basketball has ever been. Yeah. Pac 12's got three teams in the top six. And USC's Hill. unbeaten. Although USC's playing right now. What's the score of that game? No clue. They playing play college basketball games at three o'clock in the afternoon? Two o'clock, actually. <laughs> Why would you play a game that early? It's a makeup game. They're up one at the half. So, anyway. All right. Thanks for hanging with us, everybody. Right on. We will be back with a live stream YouTube only on Wednesday. Keep an eye out for that. And uh, then back with the pod on Thursday. Adios. Adios. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.